Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Through some movies. Today, we take a chance on the long awaited sequel to 2008's hit ABBA musical, Mamma Mia. Here we go again, but will our critics be crying out gimme, 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 or SOS this time round? I've decided to commit to being a grandmother. Also this week, Joe Cole, no, not that one, plays a scouse scally banged up in Bangkok in hard hitting Thai prison drama, A Prayer Before Dawn. I'm a boxer, I can show you I can fight. I need to fight. There's all that and amore as in Film Club we turn back time to sing the praises of Norman Jewison's seminal New York rom-com Moonstruck, featuring the veritable dream team of Cher, Nick Cage and Martin Scorsese's mum. You love him, Loretta? No. Good. When you love him, they drive you crazy. It's Truth and Movies, a Little White Life podcast. Hello and welcome to Truth and Movies. I'm Adam Woodward and I'm delighted to be joined today by Hannah Woodhead. Hello. Hi. And Manuela Lazic. Hello. Uh, I know you guys, as well as, as as I, am really keen to get stuck into Mamma Mia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but before we do, uh, i got a little bit of correspondence this week from Anton McConville. Uh, just writes in to say, wanted to make a comment about Incredibles 2. I think it was Hannah who noted that it didn't reflect today, and I can see that a bit. But when I watched it, I thought the big theme was fake news, which is very much about today. Uh, I also thought, as a dad, that it captured a lot of the struggles a parent has. Um, themes around how to handle, especially gifted children, comparisons between a dad and a mum's approach to parenting. Hannah? I didn't get that fake news thing at all from it. I I don't know. Have I missed the whole point of it? Well, I, I threw that to you because I actually haven't seen Incredible. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. The whole concept of the villain is he can enslave people through their TV screens. So I just thought it was kind of like a, the way the media controls people thing, which I guess is a little bit fake newsy. Okay, but, yeah. I mean, I obviously, as I am not a parent, so I have no idea how it reflects the intricacies of being a dad or a mum. But that's lovely if, it, if, if a parent connected it within that way. Yeah, thank you, Great. Anton, for writing Yeah, it's a lovely message. Interesting take. As ever, if you do want to get in touch with us, any takes you've got on any films we've discussed, or if you just want to say hello, uh, the email address is truthandmovies at tcolondon.com, and we're also on Twitter at LWLights. Um, right, let's get on with Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Mamma Mia, here we go again. This is the, of course, long-awaited sequel to 2008's hit musical uh, in which Amanda Seyfried's Sophie, this time round, learns about her mother's past while pregnant herself. Here's a clip from the film. I've decided to commit to being a grandmother. What? <sighs> 25 years too late. I say we move past that. You know, so if being a grudge holder makes you fat... So let's just concentrate on the here and now and me stepping up to becoming a good grandmother. 
A great grandmother. Thank you. No, he's saying that. Wait, how do you know? Sky? I didn't say anything. We agreed. So? I only told Sam because he's my stepfather and also one third of my real father. I just told Bill. He's my best friend. And I told Harry. He's father number three. I told many, many people. That's uh, Colin Firth there at the end, not able to uh, keep the secret to himself. That is it, Amanda Seyfried, Sophie, is yes. uh, pregnant in this film. Um, and we basically experience that through, well, it, I think that's revealed quite late on, actually, isn't it, mm, the pregnancy? It but is. The whole film is actually about her connection with her mother, who's mm. played by Meryl Streep, um, and a younger version of herself here by Lily James. Mm. So, Manuela, I want to come to you first, because you were actually at the world premiere of this yes, on uh, Tuesday. How, was... how was that? It was amazing. And so, yeah, it's good that you put it out there first because obviously seeing Cher in the flesh and Andy Garcia in the flesh, that may have made me biased. But I think the film is great. Uh, It does this amazing thing of being at once a sequel and a prequel (laughs) because it comes 10 years after the other one, but it's mostly about Meryl Streep's youth. And... And you know, I know we're not there for the story, really, but it really is fascinating how they managed to put it off, like to tell the story of Meryl Streep, because the whole point of the first film is that it's a mystery, what happened, like how can she not know which one is the dad, and it was all quite ambiguous, and here they managed to write the whole story of how that happened, and it's very convincing that she doesn't know, and, and it's not, it does that amazing thing as well of not condemning her for that at all, like she was, you know, young living her life traveling and stuff happens and she had a great time with all of them and yeah and then she made a decision of raising her daughter and it's quite it's quite positive like sex positive and really centered on friendship and family and you know choosing your own path whether other people think it's stupid or not and yeah it's really uplifting and the songs the songs are just really great and they're really um inserted in the story mm. sometimes it's a bit tacky like when Amanda uh, <laughs> Seyfried at some point she's singing uh, One of Us and she says uh, staring at the ceiling and she's lying on her bed staring at the ceiling like, it's a bit <laughs> it's a bit forced but it's it's kind of that's the pleasure of it as well I think. yeah it's a little bit uh, shoehorned in sometimes yeah. the songs. but we'll, we'll come into the songs in a minute um, because as you say this is 10 years in the making or, or we've been waiting <laughs> that long for this sequel yeah I don't know if they started like yeah but yeah, and and I'm intrigued by that because I, I must say, full disclosure, I haven't seen the first Mamma Mia film. Presumably, right. we had better things to do <laughs> ten years ago. But um, Hannah, I think you've seen it. Could you fill anyone in who hasn't seen the first one? So the first one's this um, a story of Meryl Streep's Donna, who runs a hotel on this really lovely Greek island, and she lives with her daughter, played by Amanda Seyfried, Sophie, and they're having a party for Sophie's wedding. She's getting married to Dominic. It's so ridiculous. She's getting married to Dominic Cooper's Sky and they're very much in love. But Sophie's always wondered who her dad is because she's never known. So she's managed to track down three contenders who are played by Colin Firth, Pierce Brosnan and Stellan Skarsgård and she invites them to the wedding to try and resolve the mystery of her parentage. And that that's it. That's the story. And it's just two hours of kind of musical numbers and it's you know it's good fun it's fine if that's what you're into Mm. it's very much like 
bridging the gap between young girls who like Abbott and their mums who like Abba. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. got something for everyone, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and and the, the prequel element of it is interesting because it doesn't necessarily answer the questions that I, I suppose were lingering from that first film. Um, oh, no. But it's a really Not nice flashback um, mm. into this character's life and, mm. and the men she, she had these affairs with. Um, yeah, it really leaves space for her complexity. Like, I, I was really afraid that it would be, you know, like, oh, yeah... We're doing it for the fans, so we gotta give them an answer. And it's not doing that. It's just being like, let's let's look into this story and see what fun can come out of it. And it's really fun. And yeah. I think Lily James had a really tough thing to do. And I, I don't, I don't think she's very much like young Meryl Streep. But I mean, no one really is. But she does a really good job. She's got a good energy and. Yeah, she's cool. I like her. I must say, I've I've not seen her in much. I think I missed her mm. Cinderella. Um, yeah, me too. I missed that. But yeah, I, I, I think that. she's really a revelation in this. Um, she she does a lot of the heavy lifting story wise. Yeah. She has a lot of the big um, centerpiece song moments in the film. Mm. Um, it kind of made me think how much she's uh, wasted in Baby Driver and and has been wasted <laughs> oh, in a few other supporting her, roles yeah. she's been in. I mean, a lot of things are wasted in Baby Driver. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> She can really sing, though, which yeah. one of the sort of not complaints, but I think funny things about the first one is that most of the cast can't can't really sing. They're very, very mm. committed, and that's great, but it is a kind of Russell Crowe and Les Mis moment where you're just like, oh, this is like... They're, they're trying their best, but it's not great. Mm. Whereas Lily James in this and Amanda Seyfried both are, are really good singers. Yeah. So it's not only fun because you know the songs, but because they're singing them quite well. Yeah, mm. even Piers Brosnan has a go in this. I think he sings a line from <laughs> SOS, is it? So, yeah, but he's kind of talking it. Like, he's not really singing. And that's really a callback. Yeah. That, yeah. So, <clears throat> in the first one, he sings that with Meryl Streep. Well, to Meryl Streep. And it's lovely. It's, like, my favourite bit, even though mm. it is, like, very, very cheesy. So, that, <laughs> he does it again in this film. It's kind of like a callback to that. And it's it's quite, you know, it's, it's quite sad. Yeah. 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 I cried. <laughs> not at that moment, but in that movie, at some point, near the end, I was crying. I was crying. I think it's the wonderful thing about this film is it knows exactly what it is, and yeah. it's, it's yeah. so clear from the start that all the cast are really game for it. Mm. Um, and I mean, we, we um, Hannah and I weren't at the premiere, but <laughs> it felt like you know Cher's extended family and half the cast <laughs> were probably in the in the audience because every time you know a song started up, everyone just, just normal completely people. went wild. Everybody loves Cher. As soon as she came, and I imagine it was like this at the world premiere as well. But as soon as she came on, everyone just like was applauding and like no whooping, idea. and it was. I was crazy. I, I, I think most of my enjoyment of this film came out of the audience I was watching mm. it with because everyone else was so clearly into it. Like people were dancing, like they yeah. were like laughing at all the cheesy jokes. Yeah. And it is the kind of film that I, if I'd seen this at home for the first time or if I'd seen it um, in a small screening room somewhere, I don't think I would have enjoyed Definitely. it anywhere near as much as I did enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. And it's like, I think it's also credit to the film itself because the way it's built narratively is that. Uh, there's so much going on that you kind of forget that there's more coming, like the share <laughs> thing, you know, she comes in quite late and it's not that you don't expect it, but it's, <laughs> when it happens, it's such a joyous moment and it's really well, well built and she has this really beautiful moment and I don't want to spoil it because it's too beautiful, <laughs> but it's really, really special and my, like the crowd at the premiere was just losing their minds. Like I was screaming, my throat hurt. It was great. <laughs> So you enjoyed it. Yes. <laughs> Hannah, I think you enjoyed it. But I, I, you know, I can't like, as a film critic, I cannot say this is like a great piece of cinema, but it is incredibly enjoyable if you suspend all, all belief in time and space because 
That's the other thing about someone pointed out on Twitter the fact that the first movie kind of forgets the 80s existed because it's set in 2008, but Amanda Seyfried is meant to be 20. Mm. So that would place her being Mm. born in, like, what? The early 90s, I guess? And she was... Lily yeah. James was pregnant in seventy eight. So what ha- what happened there? Like, <laughs> there's like twelve years that don't oh. exist. So, and this yeah. in this Amanda Seyfried says to Cher, "You're twenty five years too late to be a grandma." So I'm like, "Well, it's ten it's years since Mamma Mia. So how how old is she meant to be well, now?" I'm not sure that Cher is that much older yeah. than Meryl Streep either. That's the no. other. Thing. <laughs> but we can, I think we can look at we can Sorry. look past but, that. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I don't even calculate. You know, it is. You have to. You have to go with it all. Yeah. You just go. Just go with it. You yeah. know. You make an interesting point because I think critics do tend to be quite um, snotty about films like this, yeah. and you always see a musical, especially, and this kind of rom com always gets <coughs> labelled. Yeah, Great Showman is another example, but yeah. it gets labelled with terms like feel good, and it feels very like backhanded compliments. Mm. Um, and actually, feel good is is one of those terms that's a bit of a bugbear of mine. Definitely. Um, but I think it's incredibly difficult to mount a film on this scale with this ensemble cast give everyone their own part to play and you know the songs sometimes are a bit shoehorned in but definitely work i mean in terms of the amount of music in here mm. it's pretty much non-stop and i think it's really good job all around for the actors as well because it's not every day that they get to do all these things like they dance and they sing and i think everyone is really good like the young ones, the young boys are very, oh, very good. That, that cover, there's a there's a, co- a, a Waterloo number which yeah. I was like <gasps> shrinking back into my seat. I was like, mm. oh no. What, you didn't <laughs> I, like I it? really oh, did shit, not I like love it. That. I really liked it. I think the guy was really oh, good. Really? No, yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't get on board with him. The rest of it, I kind of was like, okay, sure, whatever. But that, that, that one just really didn't work for me. But uh, yeah, I think there are moments think, where you kind of. I think like, you're right, bit, though. Yeah. They are like, everyone is kind of doing their bit no one's like mm. coasting by you know everyone's th- fully committed to it yeah and I think also they as you were saying they know what film it is because I think in this movie compared to the first one the jokes land much better because everybody is kind <laughs> of like yeah we can't sing like <laughs> I love the older men especially so I think the the jokes really land and some of them are really just silliness and it's it's really joyful it's really good I can't wait for the sing-along okay let's <laughs> let's go in with some scores then oh. um Hannah do you want to start um, it's like a three, threes across the board for me. You know, I I don't I don't say that as like a bad thing. There, a three for me is is not like a an insult to a film. It's not something that I would ever choose to watch on my own at home. But like you say, a sing along screening of this would be a lot of fun. And Definitely. if you watch movies for different reasons, and if I watch this because I want to be entertained, then sure, fine, whatever. Mamola, you, you've crossed your arms in disgust. <laughs> no, 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 no. I respect every opinion, but uh, I think uh, there's nothing wrong with funny love songs. So I, um, I would say Anticipation 2, really, because I was like, Jesus, this is a prequel, sequel. Mm. No, and the first one wasn't great. But then Enjoyment 5, but I was the premiere, so this is like cheating. But still, I think without that, I would have had probably 4. And in retrospect, I think 4, because it's not like a masterpiece, but it's very good. And I think we need more musicals in general. Not not like meta-musicals like La La Land, like proper musicals of talented people. Okay, I think, I think I'd think i go for a, a 2 for anticipation as well, purely on the fact that I haven't seen the first film. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like ABBA as much as the next person, but wouldn't consider myself so a super fan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, four at the time, and then possibly a three in retrospect. But it is, I mean, for all the ABBA haters out there, it is a very enjoyable film, and uh, it's, yeah. it's nothing wrong with uh, going into a film like this, just completely letting yourself get swept away. I think it's a gift for the summer. I, I think it's you know as well. It's lovely that films like this exist because for people who. And especially at Little White Lies, we can be a bit like highbrow about film, but this is a film that anyone can go and see and, and just enjoy. You don't have to. This isn't inaccessible. No, this is sure. a summer blockbuster. It's going to be in every single screen for the next six weeks. Mm. So go I mean, and see it. Take you have, your kids. You have to have high tolerance for ABBA, I suppose, but that's <laughs> the only barrier. You can it's like have. great cameo as well. I'm not sure which member of ABBA it is, but like he turns around and like winks at the camera. Oh yeah, both of them are in there. Oh, yeah. the guys. At the end. Yeah, they're oh. all like. But they kind of like obvious. So at the premiere, everybody was cheering like way before they're indicated in the movie. It was really funny. Yeah, it's Benny and Bjorn. Yes, and they are very much the the driving force creatively behind. I think ABBA yeah. as obviously the musical group and the film. Um, yeah, they were they both get executive the producer credits. Mm. They wrote the songs and they were the premiere. Oh, okay. along, along with Tom Hanks and uh, well, yes. Rita, oh. who, who I saw got executive producer credits, and I, I just really would love to know the story behind that. Are they yeah. just big fans of ABBA? Like, I really how understand. That... When I saw him there, I was like, "Is he? Does he have a cameo? Does he sing?" But no, that's a shame. A Tom Hanks musical, I think, is what we need next. Sure. I mean, yeah, they're making Cats into a musical, which I I'm uh, like a musical movie. Which I'm, I, I'm here for that. I like Cats. Oh, and of and course, we've like got uh, we've got. <laughs> The Elton John biopic coming up and Bohemian Rhapsody oh, as well. Yeah, of so course. Yeah, it's yeah, a good time. If you like your kind of uh, your big showpiece, 70s your disco pop. and your glam rock. Yeah. I don't know if I like biopics as much as Stone weird musicals. movies with a bunch of songs in them sure. like that. Yeah. Like Saturday I mean, Night Fever is kind of like that. In this as well, like we never establish if ABBA exists or if, yeah, <laughs> or exactly. if they just make these songs up on the spot because mm. uh, Donna has this group, Donna and the Dynamos. <laughs> Yeah, they like, they made those songs. Yeah, it's like they made the, those songs. But there's a bit in this film where um, Donna is sad and she's going to sing a song, and they're like, "Oh, sing what's in your heart." So she starts singing this very, very great. It's a great musical number. But I was like, "Well, how how do they know what she's going to sing if she's just making this up?" I'm very like, mm. they all everyone well, they're joined very in. Good musicians, and uh, they just you know they just catch it. They I just do it. I think I just have to not think about this. <laughs> You're thinking like, too hard, yeah. Like the years and it's Abba, it's Mamma Mia, it's music. Here we go again. Here we go. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, that is Mamma Mia. Here we go again in a nutshell. Yeah. So, up next is uh, A Prayer Before Dawn. Prayer Before Dawn, this is John Stefan Sauvers, a true story of an English boxer incarcerated in one of Thailand's most notorious prisons, uh, and he learns to fight in Mai Thai tournaments to earn his freedom. Uh, here's a clip from the film. I want to train. I'm a boxer. I can show you. I can fight. I need to fight. I've got no family, no money. Just give me this one chance. I want to fight. you have a rupture is because of boxing and the massive abuse of drugs any more trauma you could lead to death it's all i've got well that is the uh, i think a clip from the trailer for a pair before mm. dawn and uh kudos to whoever managed to 
make that sound so action-packed because it is it is quite a kind of slow brooding film there isn't a a sort of conventional boxing montage or Mm. you know you have those like punch bag sounds there in the trailer but it's it's actually quite a kind of slow um spacious film uh manuela do you want to start us off yeah i mean that really didn't do much for me at all (laughs) i don't know i was just uh it's just not like I, I understand it was a real story and uh, it's pretty tragic and it's pretty horrific in point in moments, but I didn't I didn't really connect with this movie at all. I found that its approach was a bit, you know, uh, fly on the wall and that's interesting, I suppose. But it just made I just didn't feel anything from this. I just didn't connect to it. I don't know. It's not not nothing much more interesting to say. Hannah, you uh, I think you know a little bit more about the story on which it's based. Yeah, I mean, I watched this and kind of went away and did a bit of reading because I thought like. I, I like Manuel. I didn't really connect with this story, and I thought, well, this is based on a true story, and obviously this guy's, you know, he's written a whole book about this, and I'm not getting across. All, all this film is is boxing, and you're not kind yeah. of getting any other information about what led this guy here. He gets arrested for drugs, I think, in the film, yeah. and that's that's all it is. And I did, yeah, I did a bit of reading about Billy Moore, who's the guy, the story he wrote the book, and then it's based on his experiences in Thai prisons. So he was a boxer who had a pretty traumatic childhood. His father was quite abusive. And he went to Thailand and was arrested for stealing a mobile phone or something, sentenced to prison. And he, yeah, he took up boxing. He got addicted to drugs in prison and he kind of turned his life around. In the end, I think um, the British embassy got involved and like got him transferred out of prison mm. and he yeah he turned his life around unfortunately after he wrote the book um, he was diagnosed with cancer and he ended up in prison again because he kind of had a breakdown and went back to his old ways so I think he missed the premiere of this film um, because he was in prison oh wow so th- yeah this is this is all like L- Liverpool echo news that I was reading about this <laughs> this poor guy um, but I feel I feel like the film doesn't kind of get across what an interesting character he is and kind of this crazy life he's lived. It is just Joe Cole kind of brooding and you don't, there's no way to connect with him. You don't know anything about him. You don't, he's very closed off and he has this kind of like romance with this Thai woman in the prison who works in the sort of commissary and even that feels quite like... Mm. You, distant you don't really care what happens yeah, it's really tacked on yeah and it's yeah it doesn't really make it more emotional i think the film suffers from trying too hard to be just raw you know mm. just like this is the raw stuff this is how you fight and those yeah those images of fights i mean i've never seen that before sure but that's that didn't really do anything for me well i think you could say it's sort of authentic with a capital a because it's yeah. it's obviously you know, set in, in a real prison in Thailand. I think the the supporting cast are, are mostly comprised of ex um, inmates, mm-hmm. um, and the, you know the boxing you see and the, and the mai tai is, is clearly real. Yeah. Um, Joe Cole is a rising star in, in British acting. Is obviously putting in a very committed performance. But I think a lot of that stuff sometimes authenticity can be um, used to the point that it sort of ends up negating the story and the yeah. emotional connection mm-hmm. you have with the characters. I, d- I definitely felt a distance here mm. with the story. Me too. Um, the film never quite gets over, uh, mm. gets over that. But. There's a, a, a... Many times when I see a movie based on a true story and it's kind of like that, it doesn't do anything for me. I call it a cool story bro movie because <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a cool story, like it happened, it's true, 
I don't think I needed to see a movie of this. Like, maybe the book is really engaging, because I don't know, maybe we're missing something about the point of view through the adaptation. Maybe yeah. there's something about... I don't know how the book is narrated. I don't know, it feels like there's something missing. He also said in, in the interviews I've kind of read with him, he said that the prison was... Uh, there were a lot of foreign prisoners there. He wasn't the only British guy in the prison, which this film makes it feel like he's the only British guy there. Yeah. And um, he said, yeah, there were a lot of foreigners there. They had their kind of own communities within the prison and they were seen as a bit of an easy target because they weren't Thai. Mm. And there's kind of these nuances that I think get lost in the story. And it is this, here is Billy Moore, the one British man in this Thai prison against the whole of like the... Thai convict community who are this like homogenous mass none of them have got any personality beyond being heavily tattooed and pretty like corrupt even the prison officers are corrupt Mm. and it yeah I was kind of offended that we we only we only get one one note in this film which is it's it's really shit being in a Thai prison yeah it does spend a lot of time layering up um these elements of the story which just hammer home how harrowing his experience is mm. um, and there's mm. scenes of like male rape and lots of drug abuse and you know none of it really is in service to the character or the story but it is added I think just to yeah drive home that that feeling of yeah. oh this is quite bleak um, it feels a bit gratuitous to be honest like those scenes of extreme violence I was like I didn't expect Thai prisons to be fun, so yeah. why are you showing me this in such a graphic way, an elongated way? Like it's a not long a particularly scene. shocking film. Yeah. No, yeah. not really. It's but kind of keeping it... At the same time, it's trying to be super authentic, and at the same time, it's kind of playing it safe, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's very strange. Okay, okay let's... Um, oh, sorry, sorry no. I don't, well, I was just going to say the rape scenes in particular is a bit like... I thought it were in quite poor taste, because it goes on yeah. for so long, and it doesn't serve to do anything. It doesn't serve to say something about his character mm-hmm. it he just kind of looks shocked rape in prisons has kind of been this we we know this happens this is a big issue in even in british prisons and i kind of was hoping they would do something more interesting than just show it happening like mm. what what am i supposed to learn from this what am i supposed to take away from this exactly. so yeah okay so let's do some scores uh, manuela i think <clears throat> Probably two across the board. I mean, I didn't really have expectations. I didn't know about this movie. But, yeah, I didn't have a good time. I wouldn't watch it again. I wouldn't recommend it. Bit of a contrast to Mamma Mia in terms of the... <laughs> yeah, it's like the opposite, I suppose. Yeah, for me, it's like... I mean, I probably three in anticipation, because I think I quite like a good boxing movie. And I think the boxing scenes in it are, like, well choreographed. and they're in, and, But it isn't anything new. It's just more of the same so yeah it's like a two and a two i i don't really know who this movie's for and good point i yeah again i wouldn't i wouldn't watch it again i think off the back of um less earnest less sort of serious dramatic movies more like genre movies like the raid we we, we're Mm. used to this setting we've seen this before even something like only god forgives the nicholas winding weapon film you see um you know in that in that case particularly you see a, a, a white male protagonist thrown into this situation having to kind of defend himself so yeah it doesn't feel particularly new or or, mm. or original um, and I do think that is unfortunately to the detriment of, of this story but yeah I, I would say probably roughly the same as you Hannah for scores three in anticipa- uh, anticipation twos for the other two um, Joe Cole though I think he does give a committed performance and keen yeah. to see what he does next I hope he gets the role with more nuance I guess, because mm. here he's just a bit aggressive and angry and yeah. shocked. Okay, so that was uh, A Prayer Before Dawn, and we're going to move on to Film Club next with Moonstruck.
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, Moonstruck is the 1987 story of Loretta Castorini, a bookkeeper from Brooklyn, New York, who finds herself in a difficult situation when she falls for the brother of the man she has agreed to marry. Here's a clip. Are you proposing marriage to me? Yes. All right. You know I was married and that my husband died, but what you don't know is I think he and I had bad luck. What do you mean? Well, we got married at the city hall and I, I think he had bad luck the whole marriage. I, I don't understand. Right from the start, we didn't do it right, okay? Could you kneel down? On the floor? Yeah, on the floor. This is a good suit. I know that. I helped you pick it out. It came with two pairs of pants. You know, Johnny, it's for luck. I mean, a man proposes marriage to a woman, he should kneel down. Ruining his suit. Is that man praying? So that was Cher and Danny Aiello in action. Uh, and obviously, re- regular patrons of this parish will remember Danny Aiello from uh, another film club, Hudson Hawk. I think he <laughs> fares slightly better here, but he doesn't have a lot of luck, Manuela. Oh, I think he's wonderful here. Uh, I love Danny Aiello. I think he's always a good idea to have in movies. And here he, he's really playing this really sheepish, scared Italian man who's just trying to do the right thing when you're an Italian man, which is like marry and do it right. But um, but he's he's just a wet blanket. And I think for to see him play that role is really powerful because, like, he was in a, for instance, in Do the Right Thing is really aggressive, and yeah, it's it's really good to see him explore his range that way, and obviously opposite share it's like this amazing vision two great people <laughs> <laughs> for me 
Yeah, so and it, yeah. it's a love triangle story, really. Yeah, um, and I, I guess I'm actually opposite to Daniela's character, Nicholas Cage, playing <laughs> playing playing his brother Ronnie. I would struggle to choose. I think one of the <laughs> one one of the great character intros, possibly oh. of all time. Mm. Um, Hannes, set the scene for so us. So good. So. <laughs> Loretta, having accepted the proposal, is asked to go and kind of make amends with uh, Ronnie. And who there's some, there's some bad blood between the brothers about something that happened in the past, but Loretta doesn't, doesn't have any information about what this is. So she goes down to the bakery where Ronnie works and um, there's this great scene where he's like, you know, slaving over the, over the ovens and he turns around and it's... It's Nicolas Cage. Mm. And, and obviously... Young and ripped. Yeah, well, I mean, I can only imagine what this must have been like for sort of teenage girls and young women going to see this film in the 80s. It was great for me as someone yeah. who's kind of only ever known Nicolas Cage in like National Treasure and Ghost Rider. I was very much like, oh my God, this is, yeah. this is great. I'm here for this. But it is like this iconic like rom-com moment of that that big reveal where it turns around and it's like the man of her dreams yeah. like. and the other reveal of course that he has a wooden hand <laughs> yeah oh my god it's which so good. is explained in the plot but then not really mentioned too much beyond mm. that i mean you occasionally see him wearing a glove yeah. later on in the film but it's it's such a bizarre character detail i think it's the screenplay is brilliant because yeah, the wooden hand is mentioned once and we don't really know the details, but that's because it represents how when you go through life, you carry your scars, you carry your baggage from previous stuff, like relationships, and you keep pointing to it, being like, mm. he took my hand, he took my wife, like, you know, like Nicolas Cage is doing in this movie. And But Cher has the same problem. She's always being like, yeah, with my husband, my previous husband, we, d- we were not lucky, we didn't have any luck. It's It's really, this movie is really about realizing how much you project and you find excuses for your own misery instead of just accepting that life is messy and sometimes you make mistakes and love is about breaking your heart, you know? That's the beautiful line that Nicolas Cage says at some point. It's really a movie about, you know, accepting to take a chance even if you've been hurt before. And so that's why Nicolas Cage has this wooden hand and he has to get over it, really. Come out of his oven. Snap out of it. One yeah, one snap out say. of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so beautiful. It, it feels like a great New York movie as well. And there's so much mm. texture oh, yeah. and um, so many, you know, just scenes on the streets where ordinary, especially New York Italian Americans are yeah. just in the crowd. And there's, uh, I mentioned in the intro, Martin Scorsese's mother, who actually appears in a very brief cameo wow. uh, in the in the bakery. I think she just like orders a loaf and then shuffles off. But <laughs> wow. it's just, just like nice moments like that, I think, that really... Yeah. Adds the authenticity of the film in, in a good way. I love yeah. the scene where um, Loretta goes to buy a bottle of wine, a bottle of champagne. Um, she After she's got engaged, she just like pops into this corner shop and the, the husband and wife who run it are having this argument mm. and she's just there buying buying her wine. This, mm. this love It sets up this whole world and we're getting to experience one small family, well, two small families, like, interactions within it. Mm. But you can... you you get a real sense of New York as a community and specifically the Italian-American community, which there's this tendency, especially within like the 70s and 80s, where you know you, you kind of think of Italian-Americans as like, the gangster movies. And this is very much like just a lovely movie about real people having real conversations and saying some really like wise and present things about love. Yeah. 
it's what more could you want you know yeah but well, the, it's true there's all these moments where we just see cutaways of people on the street or whatever speaking in Italian like they literally or like the older the grandpa in the family mm. in Cher's family is speaking in Italian most of the time like he barely even he doesn't even try to speak English and that's so truthful that's so realistic yeah. and and no one Yeah, and he, he lives in the house because that's how they live. You know, the, every, the whole family lives in the same place. And they're just entrep entrepreneurs. Like, uh, Loretta's dad is in plumbing, but he's kind of a scam. Like, he's kind of asking for way too much money, and that's why they're so rich. And that's just the immigrant story as well. Like, just trying to make it with, you know, being a plumber. And it works because you're smart and you're street smart and you're a good person that people trust. It's really... There's so much in this movie. There's so much to take from the romanticism the realism the 80s share it's great well it did it did prove very popular with our listeners mm. um, I just wanted to read out one comment from Caroline Lawrence which I really like um, she says it's one of my five uh, favourite mo uh, movies of all time my husband and I watch it every Valentine's Day and we even made a pilgrimage to Cranberry Street in New York uh, a few years ago to see the Castorini Brownstone uh, Moonstruck presents share at her best Nick Cage is most charismatic and Danny Aiello, not afraid to play it damp. Mm -hmm. which I love that phrase. Um, it's a superb story structure and, as you said, the, the screenplay rightly uh, won the Oscar, actually, in that year. Uh, and almost non-stop quotable lines. Um, this is a, a particularly good one. Do you love him, Loretta? Ma, I love him awful. <laughs> that is just, like, such a beautiful line that really yeah. sums awful. up the film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or in, uh, yeah, in, in Cher's sort of drawling. Yeah. Uh, It's so good. So yeah, thank you, Caroline, for that. And mm. uh, as as ever, if you do want to get in touch about any uh, any of our film club films, then you know the email address and the mm. Twitter, which is at lwlies. Can I just give a shout out to John Mahoney in this movie? Please do. He's so brilliant, uh, John Mahoney of Fraser fame, and he plays this guy who's just always uh, dating young women, and he's always in the restaurant getting <laughs> their drinks thrown in his face because he's just an old guy and he can't he doesn't really care for their needs. But he's so charming and it's such brilliant casting to have him play this kind of <laughs> lame guy because don't, you, you don't hate him, but at the same time, you, it's hard to respect the you guy. Know this guy. You, yeah, you know, everybody know this guy. Yeah, everybody knows him. I love yeah. the bit in the opening when, um, she, so Loretta's watching him like have dinner and <laughs> the girl he's with leaves and he's like, I want you to bring me the biggest glass of vodka you can find and remove all trace of that woman from the yeah. table. <laughs> it's just, again, like the, these background details are so kind of great and make it. Mm. really like something I feel like I could watch this over and over again and still get like the same level of enjoyment out of it it's interesting as well that they give what is this, ostensibly a, a comic relief character actually give him quite a big part to play later on because he has this meal eventually with uh, Cher's mother Rose mm, yeah. and they have this beautiful moment it's this older couple yeah. just riffing on life and love oh, and it's, uh, it's something you don't really see a lot of in mm. movies of that time especially romantic comedies and they talk about real stuff I don't want to spoil it at all because it's too beautiful and it's too rich and it completely took me by surprise because as you say he was just kind of comic relief and this funny charming man it turns out he's he's complex like everyone else it's really beautiful I think that the thing about the sort of older characters is like the whole thing is impressive to me. Like Cher, so Loretta in this film is meant to be thirty-seven, mm -hmm. and it's it's quite rare to get a film about a thirty-seven-year-old woman where it's not making her look like some tragic old spinster. Mm. She's like she's got a job, she's got a life. She's kind of like oh, I'm well, I'll marry, I marry you because it's like the the right thing to do. Yeah. But like she she's very much in control of her own destiny you know she's she's quite aspirational as, as a character mm. i love her and she 
there's this great scene where she goes, uh, she's getting all dressed up to go to the opera, and oh, she just looks so beautiful. I know. And oh, I, I, yeah, I mean, this film literally has, much like Mamma Mia, it has everything. Yeah. It has, you know, great, great music, great outfits, great characters, and, and Cher. Yeah, and of course, Cher won the Oscar that year, it didn't yeah. just win for screenplay. Um, I think she, she beat Going Close in Fatal Attraction. That's that, impressive. Crazy. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> do I think do I think that Cher deserved the Oscar over Going Close? M- maybe I don't, but <laughs> I I mean I'm happy that Cher has an Oscar. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy and it I'm, happened. Yeah, I'm, and I'm happy that it was for this movie, which I think it's it's rare for rom coms to kind of get a look into the Oscars Definitely. as well. And this is like one of the better ones, I think. Definitely, I think for, certainly for maybe younger listeners without that knowledge of Cher in her mm. in her pomp. Mm. You know, she had a brief renaissance in the 90s and she's kind of seen as this figure. She's like a gay icon and, and culturally she's obviously significant, but mm. maybe 30, 40 years ago. Um, I think this is like a really nice reminder of the, the quality she has as an mm. actor and as a, just as a screen presence She's as well. an all-round talent. Sad we don't Forever. get more of I mean, I, I get why we don't get more of her in films, but I'm kind of sad we don't. Yeah. She's so good. She just lights up the screen. Like, she's got that that it that you always yeah. want your kind of movie stars to have. She's really good in that movie. Uh, is it Mask? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. She, that movie, I don't love it, but she's insanely good in this. It's crazy. She steals the spotlight from the <laughs> guy with the mask. It's like really good. She's great. Okay, that was Moonstruck. Uh, we're back next week to talk Mission Impossible Fallout, the sixth film in the series. Uh, as well as that, we'll be talking about apostasy. And in Film Club, uh, we're taking a look back at Maurice, which is a James Ivory uh, film. He obviously wrote the screenplay more recently to Call Me By Your Name. Uh, one of his earlier films, which is getting re-released next week, so we'll be taking a look you, at that. Young Hugh Grant in that. Young Hugh Grant, yeah, in one of his pre-Four Weddings breakout <laughs> roles. By continuing like this, you and I are risking everything we have. Our families, our names. I don't even about names. So that's been Truth of Movies, as ever. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, the email address is truthandmovies at tcolondon.com or on Twitter and Facebook as well. Uh, so please do get in touch. We do love hearing from you. Uh, and thanks for listening. This has been a 7 Digital production. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.